Hello and welcome to HipCast, the podcast here to improve hip fracture care. My name is Dr. Neve Ramsey from the Australian and New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eoran Nation as the traditional custodians of this land we are based on and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Today's podcast will be led by Dr. Lara Kimmel, a physiotherapist in trauma and orthopaedics at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne. She will be discussing her paper titled High Intensity Physiotherapy for Hip Fracture is Safe and Effective in Reducing Hospital Length of Stay. This was co-authored by Susan Liu, James Sayer and Anne Holland and published in the MJA in 2016. I would now like to introduce Dr. Kimmel to speak on the topic. Thank you very much for the opportunity to do this talk today. My background is that I've been an acute hospital physiotherapist at the Alfred in Melbourne for more than 20 years. I won't age myself any further than that. And I mainly work in the area of trauma and orthopaedics. I completed a PhD in 2016 titled Assessing the Discharge Disposition of Trauma Patients and Its Influence on Patient Outcomes. I'm sure the background to hip fracture, everyone who's um, listening to this knows, but there's rising rates. We've got an ageing population and they're actually very expensive. In Australia in 2016, we had over 20,000 hip fractures annually and the direct and indirect hospital cost is estimated to be more than $900 million. Interestingly, um, fractured necrophemas only account for 14% of osteoporotic fractures, but up to 72% of costs. And this is mainly associated with significant inpatient bed days. The mobilisation guidelines from the, from the NICE guidelines from overseas suggest that we offer a patient a physiotherapy assessment and mobilisation the day after surgery and at least once per day thereafter. There's no recommendation with regards to the intensity of physiotherapy. The Australian New Zealand Hip Fracture Registries in their mobility guideline state something similar. A patient with a hip fracture is offered mobilisation without restrictions on weight bearing the day after surgery and at least once per day thereafter. We actually published an article back in 2006 titled No Rest for the Wounded, Early Ambulation After Hip Surgery Accelerates Recovery. Leonie Oldmeadow was the primary author on this paper. And this paper looked at two groups, one group that just sat out of bed within 48 hours postoperatively and the other group that mobilised 48 hours within 48 hours postoperatively. By mobilised, we stated that that was three metres. And the group that actually um, mobilised within 48 hours, at seven days, they had accelerated recovery. They walked further and they were more likely to be discharged directly home and less of them went to slow stream rehab. So I think that some of the mobility guidelines is actually based on this first paper from 2006. So timing of postoperative physiotherapy clearly plays a large role. What about the intensity of the therapy provided? So there's one paper that looks at intensity of acute hospital physiotherapy in the necrophema population and showed that it was associated with home discharge, but this paper was not randomised. We published a paper um, titled Pretty, um, which involved the trauma population at the Alfred Hospital. And we looked at one group that had intensive physiotherapy, three times a day physio, compared to once a day physio. And this paper showed that there was accelerated mobility outcomes within the first post-operative week. But we don't know whether these positive findings could be extended to patients following fractured hip 
and whether there's any long-term effects of early intensive therapy for fractured neck of femurs. Interesting. So both time and intensity are key players for improving post-operative hip fracture outcomes. So where did this knowledge take your study? So that's where our paper comes into it. Hip for Hips, published, as I said, in the MJA in 2016, with an associated editorial um, by the then head of the um, Orthopaedic Association, as well as by Jackie Close. And I'd like to thank the Department of Health um, for providing funding to allow for this research to be completed. The aims of the RCT was to investigate the effect of providing a more intensive physiotherapy program to patients over the age of 65 with an isolated hip fracture. The primary outcome measure was functional mobility at day five. We used the Mylowa, and I can go through what the Mylowa is in a moment, and that has since been shown to be valid and reliable in this population, both in the acute hospital and actually in the subacute hospital as well. Secondary outcome measures included hospital length of stay, discharge destination, the tug, in-hospital complications, and interestingly, we were told by ethics that we had to include pain and opioid medication use as that they felt that we may cause increased pain to our patients by mobilising them more often. We also looked at six-month outcomes, including readmission and patient-reported outcome measures through the Victorian Orthopaedic Trauma Outcomes Right, so what variables did Hips for Hips look at? There is six different elements that we look at. The first four are measured from independent at zero to failed and not tested five and six. We also include a walking distance and what gait aid they use. Zero is completely independent, 40 metres with no gait aid. 36 means that they were unable to get out of bed due to medical reasons. Okay, and uh, which patient group did you look at? The inclusion criteria were patients over the age of 65 with an isolated hip fracture. We excluded those with a subtrochanteric fracture, pathological fractures, if they weren't allowed a full weight bearing, full weight bear postoperatively, and if they were admitted from a nursing home. There were two groups, a usual care group who received once daily treatment of approximately 30 minutes by the physiotherapist, that was seven days a week, and the high intensity physiotherapy group. This group received two additional treatments, one by a physiotherapist and one by an AHA. We used um, a randomisation via computer and the usual care physio, the AHA and the day five assessor were all blinded to group allocation. We assessed 170 patients for eligibility, excluded 78 of them, 10 refused and the rest didn't fit the inclusion criteria. All uh, 46 in each group, they all received discharge outcomes and most of them also received um, or gave us six-month outcomes through Votor. So the groups were similar in all areas except for carer at home and anaesthetic type. Thankfully, this actually fell in the right direction in terms of the high-intensity therapy patients. Um, more of them did not have a carer at home, so therefore probably had a greater issue in, in getting home. And um, less of them had a spinal anaesthetic in the high-intensity physiotherapy group. And there is some evidence that those with a spinal anaesthetic do better initially postoperatively. Okay, and what outcomes did you see for those who received high-intensity physiotherapy versus those who did not? There was an increased length of stay in the usual care group compared to the high-intensity physiotherapy group of nearly 1.5 days. This was not statistically significant, but again highlighted there was a 10-day difference 
in the combined length of stay, acute and rehabilitation, and this was statistically significant. Our primary outcome measure, the MILOA, did not reach statistical significance, although the scores were lower, so better in the high-intensity physiotherapy group. Other outcomes such as complications, there was no difference in the complications, no difference in the readmissions. Um, in terms of discharge destination, more patients did go directly home in the high-intensity group, over 20% of them, compared to 11% in the usual care group, but this was not statistically significant. In terms of pain, thankfully ethics were um, not correct and the um, patients who received high-intensity physiotherapy did not have higher opioid use or higher pain scores. We did do a um, Cox hazard model just to have a look at um, the uh, probability of discharge, direct, of discharge. Um, and we did control for gender, care at home, stairs at home and anaesthetic type. Right, and so looking at your Cox Hazard model graphic from this paper, the usual care group sat on top compared to the high-intensity physiotherapy group. What significance did that show for those who received usual care? They were more likely to be still an inpatient at any time point across the, um, across the model. And how did that translate over time, let's say, at six months? Six-month outcomes, there were no difference between the two groups in six-month outcomes. We obviously weren't powered for this outcome. Um, there were slightly uh, more patients um, reporting a good functional recovery uh, in the high-intensity therapy group, but again, um, no difference in um, no statistically significant difference. So, for a patient with a fractured neck of femur, how did the two different care models affect hospital length of stay? We did see a significant decrease in hospital length of stay in the high-intensity group, with no increase in complications. And this really represents a really important cost saving given the large numbers of fractured neck of femur patients which are increasing and the high cost associated with their care. Our primary outcome, as I said, the Mylawa did not reach statistical significance. Um, we do hypothesise that maybe day five was a little bit too early to show a change in functional mobility in the patient group as their, length, their average length of stay was a lot longer than this. Right, so you'd recommend perhaps future studies look at the measurement of function at increased time points to seek a statistically significant difference. So can you tell us about the strengths of your study and the conclusions that were drawn from it? The strengths of the study include the robust study design, the relation and the blinding, and also the excellent follow-up of our patient group. So in conclusion, intensive physiotherapy program in the acute hospital does significantly decrease hospital length of stay by more than 10 days with no difference in complications, readmissions or six-month outcomes. So the question should be posed, should hip fracture mobilisation guidelines be updated based on these results? So do you think this study can help change guidelines? So I think we just have to consider that these are relatively small numbers and the therapy was only administered in one hospital, so it was a C-institution trial design. And it's also, the generalizability is also limited because most patients were from home. So we had very few from um, residential care. There is no cost analysis provided, although the, the benefit of this large difference in length of stay is very clear. How did these results affect the care model for patients with hip fractures at the Alfred Hospital? Well, we um, had a look at how many patients we actually had at the Alfred with a neck of femur fracture that were not from high level care. And there was probably about 240 patients in 2014. 
like everyone else, it's um, gone up from there. But if you have a look uh, at the potential savings, the potential savings for 240 patients of 1.4 days in the acute hospital or 10.6 days overall. 10.6 days overall is 2,544 beds. And it depends how much you say a bed day costs, but even if we talk about $500, which is quite low, that's over a million dollars worth of saving. And how much would we have to spend in order to achieve this saving? Well, all we need is an extra one hour of physiotherapy per patient per day. And actually the acute hospital length of stay was one day less in the high intensity therapy group. So it would cost for 240 patients about $57,000. So a cost of $57,000 to save a million dollars a year for the hospital. Surely that's got to prompt some change. Thankfully, when we put that to the hospital executive, and as you can see, it did take us a little while and a bit of pushing, but we did um, get the funding provided for the seven-day service to these patients from August 2016. We collected data for one year after that, and we had a look at the patients that were discharged home and the length of stay. And they were maintained in terms of they, they were the, very, very similar to the high-intensity physiotherapy group in the study. We did try to have a look at whether there was certain groups of patients who would benefit more or less from this acute intervention. And the one-year data really didn't um, have a signal in that direction. We probably need to collect a lot more data in order to work out which patients will benefit. We also gained ethics last year to include the Alfred data in the Australian New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry. So we will be on board. We're just uh, checking the integrity at the moment and then we will be submitting it to the Australian New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry. So with that in mind, where do you see future research heading? I think that there's a real opportunity for future research, as I said earlier, just to determine which patients in particular will benefit from this increased input. Perhaps a longer intervention. So this intervention was only in the acute hospital, so only while they were in the acute hospital. When they went to inpatient rehab, they did not get intensive therapy. We need, as I said, a more regular functional analysis, uh, functional outcome analysis, such as the Milawa in, in um, multiple time points. Multi-centre trial would be fantastic so that we could say it was generalisable to other centres. And, of course, a detailed cost analysis. I'd very much like to thank um, the Department for funding this research, the only old meadow who started us on our way, and then the Alfred physiotherapy team, orthopaedic trauma team, Votor and all my co-authors. And thanks to the Victorian Division of the AMA for the 2016 Sir Richard Storm Memorial Prize for this paper. And thank you for your time today, Dr Kimmel. I hope you enjoyed today's episode that was based on the 2020 HIPFest lecture series with Dr Kimmel. You can find this at www.anzhfr.org. And don't forget to click subscribe to listen out for further HIPCast episodes.